so good to be in the house of God together. I love seeing all of your faces, new faces, old faces. So glad that you're here this morning. My name is Pastor Amritha, and I want to welcome you to church this morning. And I want to welcome those of you that are watching online. You know what? We are one church, right? Like, I can't see you, but I see you, okay? So we're all together. We're one body, and I believe that God is with us this morning. I'm really excited about the series that we're in because we're in a series called Rebuild, and we're rebuilding some things. And as I look at our nation and I look at our society, I realize that last year caused a lot of difficulty, and for some of us, it caused some, caused some destruction in our lives, destruction enough to need to rebuild. And so I'm realizing that businesses are rebuilding, churches are rebuilding, you're maybe be rebuilding your career right now. But when I look at this, I realize that one of the most important parts of our lives that we must commit to rebuilding is our family. We don't like to admit that maybe our family took a hit this last year. But we need to commit to rebuilding our family. And you know, actually, Aristotle actually said that the family is the first building block of our society. So if our families are falling apart, if our family systems and structures are falling apart, that means it is affecting our society as a whole, right? And so today I'm excited to talk about this message and I want you to listen. Those of you that are here, if you're parents, this message is for you. If you want to be a parent someday, this message is for you. If you're married, you just got married, you're young, you're single, this message is for you because I've worked hard to realize and see that there are biblical principles in this message of rebuilding our families that's for all of us. So I encourage you to lean in, maybe take some notes and hide them in your pocket for down the road when you need them, or even just you may need to be rebuilding your family right now. And Amy Carlson is gonna pop up here and she is gonna preach point two of this message, which I'm super pumped about. And she knows the families and the children in our church. And she is committed to seeing them thrive in Jesus. And so I was like, girl, you gotta come up here, you got preacher fire, and we're gonna tag team this thing together. So we are a family of four. My husband and I, we have two kids. And I, we, we're, we're done, okay? But I've been having baby fever on and off for like a while now. We're done. Don't try to convince me. Don't send me a text message because I want to have another one. I don't want to have another one, okay? We're done. But we, we, I've just been thinking about what would it be like to have a third baby? You know, just kind of like imagine a little bit. And I've been hearing some mixed messages about having more than two kids. So those of you that have more than two kids, three, four, five, five kids. You'll just have to come tell me after church if any of this is true or not. But I did experience some of this with my first two kids. So, you know, like with the first baby, you have your first baby, you take 20 million pictures of that baby and you just don't stop. You're just, just taking so many photos. The next baby, you come down a couple notches, you take like 10,000 photos of the next baby. The third baby, I've heard, you can't find any pictures of the third baby. And by the fourth baby, your phone's broken because the other two, broke your phone and so you you have no ability to take those pictures or like pregnancy clothes you go to the doctor you find out you're pregnant you're just like oh my gosh so you go you run to to the store and you buy all these maternity clothes and you just start wearing them right away because you're so excited because you have a baby second baby this happened to me i did not you just don't want to wear maternity clothes until you absolutely have to you're just waiting and waiting and waiting until you have to third baby you just find out that your maternity clothes have become your regular clothes 
so I've heard if having a third baby. This last one, how about when your first baby swallows a penny or a dime or a coin, you rush that baby to the hospital, to the ER, you get that x-ray. Second baby, you uh, second baby, you just sort of slowly wait for it to pass because we've been here before. And the third baby, you just deduct it from their allowance. Come on, that's funny, right? One of my favorite and overarching things that I see in the scriptures over and over again is that Jesus fights for his family. We just see account after account of how God fights for his people and for his children. This is all throughout the scriptures. So this is a huge priority for us. So we're taking our cues this series from the book of Nehemiah. And I'm going to set this up for you. So what's happening is Nehemiah is in exile. And he gets this notice that the walls of Jerusalem are coming down. They're being destroyed. And Nehemiah puts his life on the line because you don't just go up to a king and say, king, can you just do me a favor? He puts his life on the line. He goes to the king and he says, king, the walls of Jerusalem are being destroyed. Can I go rebuild them? And the king grants him favor and he says, Nehemiah, you can go rebuild these walls and you know what, here's some resources. And he showed him favor. And so we pick up in chapter 4, verse 14, and Nehemiah is saying this. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers and sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. I believe that by rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, Nehemiah was fighting for his family. He was fighting for the people of God. Listen, this had less to do with walls and more to do with the people of God and his family. Last year was a crazy year for our family. I know it was for you. I remember when the shutdown started happening. It happened really quickly, but it was just like one day this was happening, and the next day this was happening, and one day the store is closed, the next day the schools are closed, the next day we're taking our church and putting it online, the next day we can't see our friends anymore, and then the next day for our family we got a dreaded email. I knew it was coming, and it finally came. And the email was from the director of the therapy center that my son goes to every single day. My son has uh, severe special needs, and so this therapy that he goes to every day is a huge support in his life that he needs. And we get this email from the director of the therapy center, and she says, you know what, we're, we're at this point where we got to close down because coronavirus, we want to be safe. And uh, I, I was expecting that, but what I wasn't expecting is what she said next. In the email, I read it out loud to my husband, it said, and I don't know if we'll ever be able to reopen our doors again because of finances, because of rent, because I, I just don't know how long we're going to be out. And my heart sank and I just began to weep because while I didn't want any of the virus to spread, what I understood about my child is that the development that happens now directly affects what he can and can't do as an adult. And so my heart just sank. And what happens when we get to a place of kind of a breaking point? Anybody been to your breaking point? This happened for me. When we get to our breaking point, some things begin to surface. Fear begins to surface. We begin to be filled with anxiety. We begin to wonder what is going to happen. We, have, uh, we realize, do we stand on some family values or are our family values completely out the door? And we realize that we are in trouble and we begin to spiral. Any other spirals out there? Try saying spiralers, that's actually really hard. And so I kind of spiraled. 
And I had to kind of bring myself back and remember that God is in control and he's in charge. And many of you, I believe, have been in survival mode. You can only be in survival mode for so long. Can I get an amen? And so what happened is we're working from home. We're trying to pay attention to our work while our kids are online and they're not paying attention and we find ourselves maybe with no kids and we're online we're not with our co-workers anymore and we just find ourselves buried and buried and buried in isolation and we go into survival mode you know in our family we started family car rides because we were like the kids are driving us crazy survival mode so we put them in the car and we just drove around we probably drove by your house and said hello from a distance we had to do what we had to do and I think for some of us, even our children, I know that even some of you parents, Amy and I have been talking to you, your, parent, your, your kids have been in survival mode. Some of you are like, I don't even recognize my kids. They used to be joyful and happy and have a peace in their hearts, and now they're scared. Now they don't know what's going to happen. They don't have security. They're struggling. I don't recognize my kid. And we've come to a breaking point. And what breaking points do is that they reveal to us if we are operating with family values or if we're not. And if you think that you had family values, you may have realized that we weren't living by them. And what values do is that they anchor us. And they help us that whatever storm comes our way, we can be anchored in something. We can still be a family. You know, I think that some families got closer this last year, and some families just kind of were left barely hanging on. And we realized that some of our priorities and some of our values, even before the pandemic, were coming out. We get married. We have families. And then what we realize is we put our career and our money and our social status first, and then our families some of us realized in quarantine when we were in the house with our families that that's actually, they are actually the worst part of your life. They're the ones that stress you out the most. They're the ones that just do something, they hurt you the most. And families can be just so difficult and the reality of that really, really hit us. And God is calling us to a season of rebuilding our families. And what I believe is that rebuilding our families means rebuilding our family values. And so I want to talk about that today. And here's a definition of what values are. They're moral and ethical principles and priorities in which our families live by, often passed down from generation to generation. You know, some of these values can include, maybe in your family you have values that include honesty, integrity, patience, being respectful to one another. But when I look at the scriptures, when I study what God wants for family, it all kind of boils down to three family values that I believe that we all need to have in our families. I want you to take these and I want you to run with them and make them a part of your family values. I realized in my life that I want my husband and I want my children to know three things. And this has become the foundation and the values in which the Jiva household lives by. The first one I wanted them to know is, does my family know that God comes first? First God. The second one is, does my family know that I'll never leave? That I'm committed to them? That no matter what, I'll stick it out with them? And the third one is, does my family know that I'll fight for them? That I'll do whatever it takes. First, God. 
You know, I realize that before we can rebuild, we must have God first in our lives. Do you realize that when Nehemiah, what he did when it was time to go build, rebuild these walls, he gathered the nobles, he gathered the people together, and he said three really powerful words. The first three words he said is, remember the Lord. Nehemiah knew that without God, this was going to be a failed mission. I'm going to tell you right now that without God, building, rebuilding your family is going to be a failed mission. God first. The very first important value that I can tell you, the greatest advice that I have for you out of this whole message is that your number one value in your life is to make Jesus the center of your life. Make Jesus the center of your marriage. Make Jesus the center of your relationship with your children, your brothers, and your sisters. Now, we need to think about this question. When the pandemic happened, what did your children and your spouse experience from you? Did they experience someone who said, you know what, God is still in control? He's the source of my life, He's the source of our finances, He's gonna provide, we're gonna be okay. What is the ultimate security that your children know that your family has? When I think about these questions, I realize that this has got to be the very first value, God first. And what we see is the reality is one in three families stopped attending church or watching online during one of the most horrific years in our nation. We're realizing that family and family values aren't actually as important as we think or say that they are. We looked to different support structures. We always had a social life that we could lean into until our social life disappeared. We always had the ability to drop off our kids and go to work. And I'm not knocking that. I still have to drop my kids off and go to work. But what I'm saying is we relied, relied so heavily on the security that our routines provided. Some of us never had to talk to our families, really, until we were stuck in a house with them in quarantine. And we realized that things are broken. There are some crevices and cracks in our family and whether you mean to or not, you are leading your family somewhere. Where are you leading them? Your children are walking in your footsteps. This is a video of my daughter literally walking in my husband's giant shoes. Walking, literally walking in the footsteps of my husband. And don't forget the pink blankie, right? There she is. <laughs> You know, it reminds me of this story that I want to read to you. A father kept a jug of whiskey hidden in the barn. It was his habit to go out there every morning and get himself a drink. On a snowy morning, he went out to the barn, as was his habit. But this time, he heard someone behind him. He turned around and found that it was his little son following him, stepping in the footsteps in the snow where his father had walked. The father asked, what are you doing, son? The boy answered, I'm following in your footsteps, dad. He sent the boy back into the house, and then he went out to the barn and smashed that jug of whiskey. He realized that he didn't want his boy to be following in his footsteps. Our kids are following in our footsteps. Our spouses are being led by each other. Joshua 24, 15 says, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God must come first in your life. Listen, I want to tell you that there is more to God than church on Sunday. 
Some of you have been playing around with Christianity. Some of you are dating God. And if you learned anything last year, God comes first. He needs to come first in your life. You need to give him everything. You got to stop playing around with this. I encourage you to step into what God has for you. He loves you. And Nehemiah said, remember the Lord. So I encourage you to make God first the very first value in your life. Proverbs 14, 26 says, reverence for the Lord gives man deep strength. His children have a place of security. God first then your children and your spouse and your family will experience security. Can I get a good amen? Amen. The second family value that we encourage you to implement is commitment. Never leaving and providing a secure relationship with your family. My husband and I have a little boy at home. His name is Cole. And he turns one next month on May 2nd. And uh, before Cole was born, a couple in our church, Ben and Taylor Jennings, actually made him this beautiful bookshelf for his nursery. And it ended up being the best gift because Cole's absolute favorite thing to do now is crawl up to the bookshelf and one by one take all of the books off of the shelf. <laughs> and for months, I thought this was hilarious and I would put all the books back on the shelf just to have him take them all back off again. And every day of doing this and playing with him, I just got so worn down. And I just said, that's it, I'm done. The books are just gonna stay on the floor. And now this is what his room looks like all the time. <laughs> and this is a cute picture and everything, but the reality is that this is a representation of what our family lives might look like now after the pandemic, where we're just so tired of picking up the pieces and now we're just left with one big mess, both physically and emo emotionally. You know, sometimes trying to repair what's been broken wears us down to the point of giving up. Statistics show that we are giving up on our relationships and our families. One in three Americans admit to being not on speaking terms anymore with a family member after a falling out, they're no longer on speaking terms. One in three Americans, 75% of the people who ended their marriage said the number one reason for ending their marriage was simply a lack of commitment, either on their part or their partners. 40% of Americans say that they've had at least one friendship ending fight. After one fight, their friendship was done. In the book of Nehemiah, when tasked with rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. This task of rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem was so daunting. And just like rebuilding or repairing families, our, our relationship, they felt like complaining and giving up. Not because, and, and this is the truth for us, and not because we want to, but because we've just hit the end of our road and we can't handle it anymore. And I just want to acknowledge this reality. It is human nature to want to give up. Even Jesus' best friends gave up on him. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied even knowing him three times when he was about to die. 
when Jesus was about to get arrested, he asked his disciples to pray for him and to stay on guard while they fell asleep. When Jesus needed his disciples and his friends the most, they bailed. And, you know, there are exceptions. I want to acknowledge that if you're stuck in a harmful or dangerous situation. But overall, I believe that God is calling us to a higher standard. God calls us to commit to our families the same way he commits to us. As Christians, our call is to follow the ways of Jesus and to become more like him. And Jesus and God promises that he will never leave us, never, and will never forsake us. Isaiah 54.10 says, even if the mountains walk away and the hills fall to pieces, my love won't walk away from you. My covenant commitment of peace won't fall apart. Jesus also gives us the parable of the prodigal son. Here's this family unit. The son, one of the sons runs away, breaks his commitment to his father, wastes all of his money, lives a crazy lifestyle, but the father did not break his commitment to the son. No matter what the son did, he came running back. The father loved him, embraced him, forgave him, and was committed to him. He did not give up on that relationship. And I just want to say, if you're a parent in the room or online, if your kids know without a doubt that you will never leave them, that you will never abandon them, that your love will never walk away from them, then that is a win. And there will be fruit for them for the rest of their lives. You know, and, you know, I just want to say some of you as parents think that you're failing or some of you as in significant relationships are thinking that you're failing, but you're not. You're still here. You haven't left, and we want to honor that, and God honors that. But when we don't offer that security in our families, it has lasting implications for us and the future generation. Pastor Pretty Finn says, let's not create a family culture that the next generation has to recover from. And we have to think, we may be there physically, but are we there emotionally? Are we checked out mentally? I know I've been there. Raise your hand if you've been just checked out emotionally with the people in your household. But you know what? Trauma therapist Andy Colbert talks about this in her book, Try Softer, about the lasting implications. Kids' brains actually register the level of security, safety, tranquility, but also chaos that incurs in our household, occurs in our household, so much so that it rewires their brains. However, when we are attentive to our kids, when we're engaged, when we're there and present emotionally for them, this is called a secure attachment, and it sets them up to flourish for the rest of their lives. And many of us want to provide this security and commitment to our families, but we ourselves never experienced this as children. So we think, how can we give this to my family when I've never received this? Well, I want to let you know there's good news. No matter where you've been or what your past has looked like, Jesus promises that he's committed to us and that we can find that security in him. And some of you feel like maybe you've been abandoned by God and that you don't even have that security. But I want to let you know God promises in his word that he will never leave you. He never has and he never will. And he gives us the grace to be able to give that to our families, our children, and the future generation. 
Commitment to family requires daily choices and hard work, just like it required for rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. But God provides a way for us to persevere together as a family. God is not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to be faithful. I love this quote from Max Licato. It says, I choose faithfulness. Today I will keep my promises. My debtors will not regret their trust. My associates will not question my word. My wife will not question my love. And my children will never fear that their father will not come home. You know, it's been a discouraging year. But my prayer for you is that the Lord will give you the strength to commit to showing up for your families each and every day. Amen. Give it up for Amy Carlson. Fire. That is awesome. Awesome. So God first. Commitment second. And the last value we want to give you today is to fight for your family. Fight for your family. You know that when Nehemiah was rebuilding these walls, there were enemies everywhere. They were trying to destroy this whole process. In verse 11, it says, Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, Before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. Listen carefully. The enemy will try to destroy the rebuilding of your family before you even get started. Some of you are sitting here today saying it's too late. Can I just tell you that that's a part of the enemy's ploy? Is to tell you that it's too late, that you already messed up, that you already walked out on your family. No, 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 no. We're here to rebuild. We're here to say we will fight for our families. We will fight for our marriage. I come preaching this message fighting for my family, fighting for my children. Even this last week, I had to fight. Satan will do anything to destroy your marriage and your family. You have to recognize that the enemy wants to destroy our society. And where is he going to go? He's going to go to your marriage. He's going to go to your family. Satan's ultimate goal is to destroy the family because if we would destroy the if he would destroy the family, he will not have won the battle. He will have won the war. You're not just fighting for your current family. You're fighting for generations after you. Listen, if you take these family values and you implement them into your household, your children will implement them into their household. And their children will implement them into the, uh, their household. And it goes on and on and on. So this is not just a short-term fight for just your immediate family right now. This is a greater fight. You know, there are two essential items Two essential items that the laborers carried. Verse 17 says this. The laborers carried on with their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. And I have this morning a sword. Actually, it's a disgusting machete that is my husband's. And he uses this to, I don't know, chop shrubs or something. And coconuts, Sri Lankan food things. But you know what? We have a sword. And here's what I want you to understand about the battle that we're in. We're in a spiritual battle. Because the enemy wants to destroy family. He wants to destroy our family systems. And we need to be in the battle. So the laborers, they not only dug and they not only rebuild, but they had a sword on their side. Because they were keeping watch of the devil. They were keeping watch of the schemes in which we're going to destroy the walls. 
and keep them from rebuilding. And I want you to know what this sword is. It's not what you think it is. This sword is the word of God. Look at Ephesians 6 verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on, the, on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is our sword. It is our weapon. You need to read the scriptures. You need to pray. You need to have a relationship with God. You need to stop dating Christianity. You need to put it all out on the line and you need to fight. You know that in my family, my kids have been attacked for the last four years. And you know what I do? I get in my word of God because there's nothing else I can do. There's nothing Nothing else, but I get my word of God. I get scriptures and I post them all over my house. And I get on my knees and I pray and I ask God for his power to come and take care of my children and take care of my family. There may be some destructive habits in your life that you need to get rid of. The sword tears things down. But that's not all that they had. They had also with them a sword on their side, and they had a shovel. They had a tool that they used for rebuilding. One second. Battling without building is exhausting. Think about it. We can battle, we can take our sword, but if we don't start rebuilding, we're exhausted. And so what happens is that God is calling us to also rebuild. Our society, our culture is all about battling. We battle everybody all the time. And I don't know if you've noticed, but when you battle in your family relationships over and over and over again, it's not getting better. It's not just a battle. It's time to rebuild. God wants us to rebuild. So I want you to understand that the sword tears down it tears down strongholds and the tool it builds up. Here, this is what I want you to understand about this tool. This tool, you know, my father in my family was an angry person. He grew up in an abusive home and he was angry. And our home was tense and angry. And I absorbed that as a child. And it was unpredictable. But you know what my dad did? He worked hard. He got his tool and he worked on himself. And I wasn't just a child who grew up with an angry father. I became an adult who saw a dad who was freed of anger. He went to therapy. He committed to the church. He got godly men and friends around him. He prayed. He never gave up. He rebuilt his life so that our family could rebuild. And so as we look at this, I want you to look at this picture. You have everything you need to rebuild your family. You need to tear down some stuff and you need to rebuild yourself up. You need to build your family. Don't give up, church. Don't give up on your family. You have these things. You have the word of God and you have a tool and you have the spirit of God behind you who is saying if you fight for your family, God will fight for you. Oh man, this is not something you have to figure out all on your own. God will fight for you. He is there for you. Church, don't let, don't let the church, don't let your neighbors, don't let anyone fight for your family harder than you fight for your family. 
You be the one who grabs that sword and grabs that tool and you rebuild. You know, I started this sermon with the story of when we got that email from the director of my son's therapy. And my sister-in-law was visiting at the time before everything began to shut down. And I'll never forget, I had read that email out loud and I, I began to cry and weep. And my sister-in-law, she got up, she came over to me and she gave me a hug. And then she went into the guest bedroom and she got on her phone. She came back out of her bedroom, I'll never forget. She said, well, we're gonna have sushi tonight. It's a hard day. And she said, and also I'm staying for the next two weeks because I'm gonna be Obi's therapist for the next two weeks every morning. And I said, what? You have a plane to catch. You live in Sri Lanka. I'm gonna fight for your family. I'm gonna fight for our family. This is my nephew. This is my brother. This is my sister-in-law. I will fight. Listen, if you will allow to fight for your family, God will fight for you. My sister-in-law did that. And do you know that she got stuck in America away from her home for a year because she decided to stay that day and help us? If you fight for your family, God will fight for you. She's not a therapist, but she didn't need to be. What she provided was security and love and attention to our family. And it meant the world to us. So here's what I want you to do practically. I want you to go home and I want you to have a conversation with your spouse and with your family, even with your kids. And I want you to write down your family values. I just gave you three of them. Start there and write them down and live by them. Because if we're gonna rebuild our families, we have to rebuild our family values. I wanna pray for you. I'm running out of time, but I wanna pray for you. I, I believe that, that when we physically take a stand, I'm gonna have everyone close their eyes in a second, and I'm gonna have you stand up and I'm gonna pray for you. For those of you that this is hitting really hard, I don't want you to walk away condemned. I want you to walk away encouraged, knowing that you have everything that you need from God to rebuild your family. So I want everyone to close their eyes right now. And if you want to rebuild your family and you have a, a relationship in your family, it could be your father, it could be your mother, it could be your in-laws, it could be whoever it is. If you have a relationship you need to rebuild, I want you to stand up right now. All eyes are closed. If guilt is trying to hold you back right now, right now, those of you who have a voice in your head that is saying it's too late, I've already messed up too strong, it's already over, I want you to stand up right now because I want to pray for you. And if you have children that are struggling and they're full of anxiety and you really want to know how to parent them right now after last year, I want you to stand up right now. I see you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying right now for the, these people who are standing and those that are sitting. I ask right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us to know that you come first. We commit, God, in our families that you will come first. Everything else will follow. And God, we commit to sticking around. No matter how hard it gets, we will stay. Lord, we want to provide security in our homes for our families and God will fight. And for those of us that are standing right now who need to rebuild a relationship, I'm asking right now that you would touch that relationship. You would by your spirit, you would help them to know what conversation to have. You would give us the ability to forgive so that we can continue rebuilding our families. And Lord, I'm asking right now for the kids, for the kids who are struggling, 
the kids who have not recovered from what happened last year, I'm asking Jesus for your healing hand. I'm asking that you would come and you would touch the trauma and the storm that has entered our children. And Father, I'm asking for peace. And I'm asking for your wisdom as parents that we would know how to fight for our kids in the name of Jesus. Thank you for helping us rebuild our families. In Jesus' name. Amen.